And welcome back to the weekly review. Big thank you to Lenora and Hian for coming in. Really looking forward to checking out this show. Uh, for more info, again, please go to LenoraLeeDance.com. So right now, it's technically Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019. This show will be replayed again this Friday, October 25th. So, yeah, that's the date. Wow, a uh, lot's on my mind at the moment. Did want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And so recording on a different day, there's, yeah, I'm uh, feeling a little bit all over the place with my head. And we're still going to put this all together. One would think that recording a little bit in advance might include having more things being complete or uh, run smoothly, and that's not necessarily the case. Also, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and oftentimes there are folks who they think they're producers and, and everything, and then I remember, okay, uh, putting this together, I uh, have a lot of voices and a lot of folks here, and at the end of the day, uh, I, I don't have a producer exactly, so perhaps that's why it feels a little bit rocky at times. Anyway, we do appreciate folks listening. And now I'll be going into uh, another part of the show. Yeah, I'm going to mostly just have other folks talking during the show because I am getting my thoughts together. Did want to acknowledge that we are on Ohlone land. And for folks, if you'd like to read up more, you can go to com, And that is R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H com and it talks about the history of the land and folks who are on the land before it was colonized so wanting to put that out there as a resource also especially for folks in the east bay to please pay the shumi land tax and you can type in s-h-u-u-m-i land tax and that will bring you to the segorite land trust in the east bay area and learn more about the ohlone folks and give back to the land Okay, cool. So, coming up next, I am going to be playing an excerpt of a previous show that we did on September 27th, 2019. An election's coming up in San Francisco. I Well, I used to describe myself as an anarchist who votes, which I guess is kind of contradictory. However, I recognize having certain people in positions of power who um, aren't terrible is better than having people in positions of power who are. And, wow, that's that's a great promotion. Anyway, did I mention that we don't really edit the show? Therefore, uh, we did want to play a previous interview that we did with Chesa Bodine. And Chesa is running for district attorney here in San Francisco. And you know Chesa's on the right side of things because the Police Officers Association are already donating to a pack to influence his, the person who's running against him or the person who's got the most votes against him so far, Susie Loftus, who the uh, mayor has put in, decided to put in even before the election. Uh, the police officers, uh, the association supports her. So recognizing that someone who wants to really work for reform is running, that person should have the support. I hope this sounds like a decent endorsement. It's true. We are endorsing him. And if you'd like to hear more, and you most certainly can hear more, check out the interview with him that 
we had on the show a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be playing that in just a few minutes here. Wow. Okay. So, again, you can find it at the Mutiny Radio archive. Go to mutinyradio.fm. I'm going to uh, get my thoughts together and chill out for a little bit. So in the meantime, I'm going to play a little bit of a music break, and then we're going to go into the interview with Chesa Bodine. And again, if you want to check out the... There's a couple of voting guides that are out in San Francisco. There's the Pissed Off Voters Guide, and they have endorsed him. Juanita Moore has also endorsed him. A lot of folks have endorsed him. So again, November 5th, vote for Chesa Boudin. And yeah, also if you're in District 5, Dean Preston. So that's where that's where we're going. All right, so now going to put on some music and then we'll get to the, our interview so you can hear more from Chesa himself. Again, a big thank you to uh, to folks tuning in. And if you'd like to support the station, that would be super helpful. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. There's a... There's a uh, donate button. Wow. You know, I meditated this morning. I even worked out a little bit this morning. I biked this morning. One would think that perhaps I'd be more clear-headed, and I am still just so, there's so much going on in the world, and that's always been the case. However, just a lot going on. So thanks for bearing with me. Also, I'd appreciate it if you could donate to the show. It'd be a big help. I come here, I volunteer, I do the show, try to put on, try to just talk about important things that are happening, and... I'm happy to volunteer my time, and also, if folks could donate, it would also help out quite a bit. So, if you're able to, go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Anywhere from a dollar a month and more would be gratefully, great, greatly helpful. Thanks to all the folks who do donate. All right. And here's some music. And then, as mentioned before, we'll have the interview with Chesa that we did a few weeks ago. Please do vote if that's something that you're into on November 5th and help get out the word to folks who choose to vote. And here's an end of one song. And then, yeah, this is one of the rougher shows that I've done. And that's okay, because that's how life is.
let me plug to you about Xerox and four parts without commercial interruption. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abramson, Spiro Agnew, to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the point from 29 District. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on search for tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Key, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.
And welcome back to the Weekly Review. I'm joined here by Chesa Boudin. Chesa, thanks for being here. Great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I thought we could start off if you wanted to talk a little bit about what brings you into the studio. It could be pretty much anything, but whatever you'd like to start with. Well, I'm excited to be a candidate for San Francisco District Attorney. The election mm -hmm. is about 39 days away from today. Mm -hmm. And it's a really unique and exciting moment in San Francisco history. It's the first time in over a century where there's no incumbent running for re-election. Mm -hmm. And it happens to coincide with the first time in, in really any of our lifetimes when there's been a broad national consensus that the criminal justice system is broken, that the status quo approach is not making us safer, is wasting tax dollars, and is destroying families and communities. And it's that intersection of San Francisco circumstance with national criminal justice reform movement that led me to decide to run for San Francisco district attorney. Mm -hmm. And I think many folks could argue that the criminal justice system isn't indeed broken, but it's working as it has been designed, which is to cause a lot of harm for many people. Right. Two sides of the same coin. It's, yeah. a, it's a question of framing. What we know is it's costing us about 10% of our state budget just for the Department of Corrections. Oh. That doesn't account for local expenditures at the county level. And we know that it's a system of mass incarceration where the United States leads the world in locking people up, 25% of the world's prisoners. And we know that the impact of that incarceration rate is not evenly distributed. It's right. much more likely to fall heavily on black and brown communities, on uh, LGBTQ communities, transgender communities. And um, in San Francisco in particular, we have a horrific problem with racial disparities in incarceration. About 4% of the city's population is black, but more than 50% of the jail is black. And, and that's really one of the most visible manifestations of, of what people have come to call mass incarceration. Yes. Yes. And also we've seen like with the homeless sweeps too, like homeless folks and I think folks with uh, are mentally ill are also can be victims of police violence quite a bit as well. We've yeah. Seen. We, we've seen over decades of increasingly tough on crime policies, an approach that really criminalizes poverty, mm -hmm. criminalizes mental health, uh, and criminalizes drug addiction in ways that are not only inhumane and uh, wasteful of resources, but also actually undermine public safety. And my campaign right. is really all about bringing um, a new, fresh approach to criminal justice, one that takes a broader view of the context in which crimes are committed, mm -hmm. and that focuses on trying to prevent crime and heal the harm that crime has caused, rather than simply punishing people right. who've committed a crime. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading a, an op-ed earlier that folks had written about how police are sometimes brought into the ideas to solve the problem, but they end up causing more of the problems. One of the things we see, that's exactly right, You know, one of the things that we see, especially in high-crime neighborhoods and in heavily policed neighborhoods in San Francisco and across the country, is that many people who are victims of crime, whether it be domestic violence or shootings, hesitate to call the police to report crimes because of their fear, in some cases of retaliation, mm -hmm. but in many cases, fear that the response by the police will actually re-traumatize them or create more problems than they're suffering at the hands of their abusers. That's something we need to change. And it has to start with restoring the integrity of the police department, restoring and rebuilding the trust between communities and law enforcement that's sworn to serve and protect those communities. I. Pardon me, I'm a little bit skeptical of 
being able to, if the if it's systemically, if police have been brought in to, in many ways, protect property and wealthy folks, is it possible then to even save that institution? Is and is it even worth saving? Well, so I think that's that's the challenge is to find ways to make sure that our law enforcement is not just working for, to benefit and protect the few, mm -hmm. but is actually working for all of us. So I've dedicated my life to ensuring that the criminal justice system benefits everybody, protects everybody, mm -hmm. not just the rich and powerful and yeah. the well-connected. And we know that in San Francisco as across the country, all too often, whether you're a crime victim or whether you're someone who's accused of committing a crime, the quality of justice you receive depends on the color of your skin, mm -hmm. what zip code you live in, mm -hmm. and how much money you have in your bank account. Right. And that's gotta change. And that's why I'm running for district attorney. Cool, great. So what got you interested in uh, deciding to pursue this path? Well, let me take you back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. When I was born, yeah. my parents uh, dropped me off at the babysitter. I was about 14 months old. Mm -hmm. And they had it off for the day, told the babysitter they'd pick me up that night, mm -hmm. but they never came back. While I was at the babysitter, my parents participated as unarmed drivers in a tragically bungled armed robbery that mm -hmm. left three men dead. Mm -hmm. Those men had families, had children, uh, those families were torn apart by the crime my parents participated in. Mm -hmm. Even though my parents weren't killed or physically injured that day, our family was also torn apart right. because of the crime my parents committed. My mother ended up serving 22 years in prison. Mm -hmm. My father is still incarcerated. Mm -hmm. He may never get out. As a result, my earliest memories are going through steel gates, waiting in lines of mostly black and brown women and children mm -hmm. just to see my parents just to give them a hug. Years, decades now, of visiting my parents in prison taught me some hard lessons about how broken our criminal justice system is. Broken for victims of crime who have so little to show mm -hmm. for the billions of dollars that we invest in punishment. Broken for the people who've been convicted of crimes, who go to what we call the Department of Corrections and rehabilitation, mm -hmm. but where we know no one is being corrected or rehabilitated. Right, and we right. have recidivism rates of above two thirds in California Oof. and even higher in San Francisco County Jail. Mm. And of course, the system is also broken for the communities where crimes are committed because those communities are being torn apart. Instead of investing in education, building new schools and universities, mm -hmm. California has focused for decades on building new prisons. Yeah. Instead of providing equal justice, mm -hmm. we've got this horrifically discriminatory system that undermines public safety called money bail, which I'm proud to say I've fought for years mm -hmm. to end. Um, and it's, it's uh, those kinds of problems that I saw firsthand yeah. growing up, day in, day out, going into prisons to visit my parents, um, receiving phone calls from them on recorded Department of Corrections mm. phone lines, and thinking about how little punishing my parents was doing to heal the harm that they had caused. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's that, that's sort of the life journey that led mm -hmm. me to decide to become a San Francisco public defender. Mm -hmm. As a public defender, I represent people who are too poor mm -hmm. to hire their own attorney to make sure that they also have equal justice. Right. As San Francisco's next district attorney, my goal is going to be really similar in some ways, to yes. make sure that everybody in this city no matter how wealthy they are, no matter how well-connected they are, mm -hmm. has equal justice under law. Yes. And I've been hearing about a few other district attorneys uh, across the country who have also, like there was Tiffany Caban, I believe, in, in New York, and there was also was a 
person in I think Pennsylvania, there like Larry Krasner. Yeah. Yeah, this is part of a national movement. Mm -hmm. um, you've named a couple. Um, Tiffany Caban came within 55 votes of, yeah. of winning her race. <sighs> yeah. Really I'm disappointing. I had announced that because initially I think at first they reported that she had won and Correct. I reported it on the show and then I was sad to learn that was not the case. Correct. It, you know, it was one of those situations where uh, she was ahead by over a thousand votes mm -hmm. on election night. Yes. And then, you know, the machine was against her from day one. Yes, and yes. she was running a grassroots campaign. Um, it was really people-powered. She never had the, the fundraising or the institutional support. Mm -hmm. And when they did a recount, um, they magically found enough ballots that, and, and threw many of hers out to where she ended up losing by 55 mm. votes. But I'll tell you, you know, her uh, election and her movement— mm -hmm has inspired people around the country. Yes, um, it yes. certainly has energized our campaign, mm -hmm. helped generate volunteers for our campaign here in San Francisco. And I'm really honored to be supported by not only Tiffany Caban, but as you mentioned, Larry Krasner, mm -hmm. the elected district attorney in Philadelphia, as well as Kim Fox. Oh yes, in Chicago. In Chicago, yes. exactly. And Rachel Rollins in Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the people who are really leading our progressive criminal justice reform movement. Mm -hmm who are finding creative ways to reduce mass incarceration, mm -hmm. reduce racial disparities, mm -hmm. increase transparency and accountability for police and other law enforcement agents while keeping our community safe. And I'm really lucky to have their support and to be able to work with them mm -hmm. on implementing um, successful policies that they've modeled in their jurisdictions here in San Francisco starting in January. That's great. So what if so if folks are interested in like helping your campaign, are there ways people can volunteer and or help to get the word out? Absolutely. Um, we are a grassroots campaign mm -hmm. and we depend on people power, creativity, energy, um, you name it. It's really coming from our volunteer base. Mm -hmm. There are lots of things people can do uh, depending on their skills. We'd love to have people phone bank, knock on doors, um, help out around the campaign headquarters, social media. Mm -hmm. um, the best thing to do is go to our website, www.chesaboudin.com, C-H-E-S-A-B-O-U-D-I-N.com. That's C-H-E-S-A-B-O-U-D-I-N.com. You can sign up to volunteer. You can sign up to have a window sign delivered to put in your window. Oh, yeah. We'll put uh, one up here. Oh, great. Yeah. I think I think we have one uh, we, can, we can leave with you at the great. end of the show. Um, and there's lots of other ways people can get involved. So mm -hmm. we, we'd love to have support. And you know, we really look at this as more than just an election campaign. We're, we're building a movement, um, and it's going to continue. The organizing and the grassroots energy has to continue after Election Day. Mm -hmm. um, that's how we're going to effectuate the kinds of changes that we're committed to. Excellent. Yes, I believe um, I saw you. I, I have volunteered a bit for Shahid's campaign. And so I, th I believe I saw you at the farmer's market. Uh, That's right. I think we were at the, in the inner sunset, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a great farmer's market. I've lived uh, in the outer sunset for many years. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, the inner sunset farmer's market is, is close to my home. Always been one of my favorite locations. And we have a lot of supporters in that neighborhood. So I'm always happy to go and, and uh, get a snack and talk to voters. That's great. Is there anything else you'd like to share? We do have some more time. However, I know you're on a, a time crunch, so. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. There are a couple specific issues I'd like to talk about mm -hmm. that are real priorities for me in the campaign, and also a couple things that I'd, I'd like to share that I'm proud to have worked on over the last few years. Because yes. I think when it comes to deciding who to vote for, mm -hmm. for me personally, one of the most important things is not just the rhetoric that someone uses or the promises that they make, but also the track record that they have. Mm -hmm. And so I think 
you know, the reason I've been able to uh, build such a big movement and, and have so many volunteers is really because of my life's work. The perspective that I bring mm -hmm. as someone who's had parents in prison and who's worked every day in the Hall of Justice for so many years, uh, but also because of the work I've done. And, and, you know, one of those projects that I've led is around money bail. And I mentioned that earlier, but, mm -hmm. you know, San Francisco and, and all of California has a system where a wealthy person can buy their way out of jail, mm -hmm. no matter how dangerous they are. Mm -hmm. While a poor person who may be wrongfully arrested, wrongfully accused of a low level crime with weak evidence against them, will languish behind bars simply because of their poverty. It's a system that is both discriminatory and also undermines public safety. Mm -hmm. And so for many years, I've led litigation efforts in state court. We now have a case pending before the California Supreme Court and in federal court where I've won um, reversals of local practice from more than five different federal judges that have agreed with our argument that this undermines public safety and that this is something which discriminates explicitly, violates equal protection, mm -hmm. violates due process. As district attorney, I'm committed to ending money bail, mm -hmm. to never allowing my staff to put a price tag on freedom. If someone is too dangerous to be released to the community, then the fact that they're wealthy doesn't make them safe. Mm -hmm. And if someone can safely be released with appropriate conditions, right. the fact that they're poor should not be an obstacle to allowing them to go back to their family and community. Of course, yes. Now, there's another area that I think today with the racist Trump administration is more important than ever, and that's immigration. Mm -hmm. The Trump administration is using xenophobic nativist policies and rhetoric mm -hmm. to divide this country. It's using hate for immigrants as a way to drive a wedge between communities mm -hmm. and to scapegoat. It's a tremendously dangerous time across the country because of that really a scary approach that the Trump administration is taking. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to be the only candidate in this race who has a long track record of pushing back against ICE, standing up for our immigrant communities. Mm -hmm. um, and I've committed to creating an immigration unit mm -hmm. in the district attorney's office once I'm elected. Let me tell you why. When local law enforcement cooperates with ICE, it undermines public safety. Mm -hmm. It distracts our resources that we need to be spending on local law enforcement priorities. And it undermines trust in immigrant communities mm -hmm. and makes it less likely that immigrants who are victims of crime or who are witnesses to crime will come forward and cooperate with local law enforcement. Mm -hmm. If we want to provide equal justice, if we want to protect everyone in San Francisco, mm -hmm. we need our immigrant communities to know that we have their back, that right. we will never cooperate with ICE. And I'll tell you, back as recently as 2012, in 2013, San Francisco still handed people over to ICE. Yep, yeah. I mean, if you got arrested as an immigrant in San Francisco and taken mm -hmm. to jail, at the end of the case, even if you were acquitted of all charges, even if the district attorney decided not to file charges against you, mm -hmm. the sheriff would hold you until ICE came and picked <sighs> you up. Now, I had a client in that situation mm -hmm. back in 2012. She was a grandmother from El Salvador charged with shoplifting Christmas presents from the Gap for her grandkids. And at that time, everybody said, there is nothing you can do. She's going to get deported. She's going to get handed over to ICE. And, I, you know, luckily I've been to El Salvador. I've lived in Latin America. I mm -hmm. speak fluent Spanish. And I begged her to give me time to not listen to or accept that 
this was a hopeless situation. Mm -hmm. And I built a coalition. I worked with immigrant advocates across the city. I worked with her family who played a leadership role. And we persuaded the sheriff that he had not only the legal power, but the moral obligation to stop cooperating with ICE and to let her take responsibility. She pled guilty to mm -hmm. shoplifting and then go back to her family and her grandkids. Mm. After that case, we did it again and again until we persuaded the sheriff to institute a policy. And ultimately, the Board of Supervisors passed a few months later a sanctuary city policy that mm. I'm proud to say I'm going to continue to defend as San Francisco's next district attorney. Great. Yeah, that's crucial. That's the track record um, that I've got. And here are some of the things we're going to do in keeping with that track record mm -hmm. once I'm elected. First, treat mental illness before crimes are committed. Mm -hmm. Not wait until people commit a crime and go to jail. Today, San Francisco's county jail is the number one provider of mental health services. It's mm -hmm. a disgrace. Mm -hmm. It's ineffective. It's inhumane. And perhaps worst of all, it guarantees that we're going to have more victims of crime because we refuse to address the root causes until after someone is victimized. Right. That's got to change, and it will on day one when I'm district attorney. Second, we need to treat survivors of sexual assault with dignity, and that starts with testing every single rape kit. Mm -hmm. When someone has the courage to come forward after a sexual assault, submit their body to an invasive evidentiary gathering process, mm -hmm. cooperate with law enforcement, and then have law enforcement say, we're not going to even bother to test the evidence. We're going to let it gather dust in the evidence room shelves. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening today in San Francisco. That's what's been happening in San Francisco. And it will change when I'm district attorney. We will test every rape kit and treat survivors of sexual assault with dignity. And I'll give you one last example of mm -hmm. something I'm committed to doing. Mm -hmm. Today, victims of crime are largely excluded from the process. Mm -hmm. Often, they never hear from the district attorney's office until and unless they receive a subpoena in the mail. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to be the only candidate in this race to have committed requiring my staff to contact every victim of every crime. within 48 hours, to give them a voice and to give them the right to participate in a restorative justice process that can help heal the harm that they've suffered instead of just using them to punish the people that have harmed them. Wow. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that. It's my pleasure. Uh, yeah. I'm really excited about the possibility of working uh, with so many of the people in San Francisco, the community groups and organizations that yes. endorsed me, the labor unions, mm -hmm. the community activists um, who are part of this movement and who recognize that we can do a much better job keeping our community safe and treating people with dignity. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for your time and yeah. uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks to Chase Boudin for being here. We're going to take a bit of a music break and then wrap up the show in a little bit. Thanks so much for tuning in to Mutiny Radio. And back in just a bit.
welcome back to the weekly review that was tribe eight with the song money loves me off the album thanks for the memories okay so we got a little bit of time left and i thought uh we'd go over some news stories and other things that folks can do so perhaps not even as many news stories but more action items so if you happen to be in new york on wednesday october 23rd and again we're currently broadcasting on October 22nd, you can go to the NNJ Letter Writing Night, which is Wednesday, October 23rd from 6 to 9 p.m. in East Harlem at 215 East 99th Street at the El Barrio Art Space. Join us to write to our incarcerated comrades. They'll have speakers, performers, and food. And they say, we'll be building community out here and across the wall. Come on through. And again, if you're listening to this perhaps after the 23rd and would like to participate in the future and or, you know, folks in New York who might, you can follow them on Twitter at no new jails, all one word, underscore NYC. Again, at no new jails, underscore NYC. Next up. Hmm. Yeah, I thought I had prepared a little bit more. I know where things are. Also, the internet's currently down at the radio station. I know there's that thing where it's like, fake it till you make it. And I also think there's something to be said for vulnerability and checking in when things are not quite going uh, according to plan. So yeah, that's kind of what's happening here. And perhaps that's why I feel a little bit on edge is that I'd like to put together a program that flows smoothly and sometimes it doesn't go as smoothly as I'd like. And that's okay. And in improv, they had that saying, uh, there's no such thing as a mistake. And I understand, I understand that. And also, sometimes it's nice to not have mistakes. And also, you want things to move smoothly. Okay, next up, it's an announcement. Yeah, we'll do announcements. Uh, There's a workshop, which is happening Saturday, October 26th. This workshop is a new three-hour workshop. Uh, building upon a newly debuted two-hour workshop, which happened this past Saturday at the Los Angeles Diversity Comedy Festival. And this is put on by Fernando Funes. And here is the information that's on Eventbrite about our teaching artist. Uh, Fernando Funes is the head writer, director, and co-executive producer of the Latinx comedy Pachanga a Los Angeles-based sketch variety show with the purpose of putting up Latinx comedians front and center. A graduate of the groundbreaking PAC Theater sketch program, Fernando writes and performs on Moonshot, which performs every first Sunday of the month at 8 p.m. at the PAC Theater. An improv performer with nearly 10 years of shows under his belt, Fernando has performed hundreds of shows in Orange County, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Berkeley, and even a handful of shows in South America. Fernando's Poem A Day project finds him writing a poem for every single day of the year. It's a great way to make sense of the chaos of life. The event is being hosted by Colorized Improv, an improv slash talk story movement expressing social, cultural, and personal experiences to explore and cultivate equity, representation, and inclusion. And there's an event bright link and a description and... If you go to eventbrite.com forward slash how dash to dash right dash from dash your dash POC dash POV dash tickets dash 774-282-65025. And I'll read a little bit about the description. 
and I'll also see if I can find a easier way to verbally share the link. Um, in this three-hour pop-up workshop, How to Write from Your POC POV, we will mine from our personal experiences, backgrounds, cultures, and histories to write deeply personal sketches that are true to our unique POC experiences in America. Learn how to use your experiences to create sketch comedy that is a reflection of your POC identity. Discover what a POC sketch is and its purpose, why sharing your POC experience is important, and how an approach to the sketch writing process can connect with audiences. For reference, we also will have fun watching a few POC sketches to see how others express themselves, and then we will come up with outlines of our own sketches. Who you are. You are you, a person of color who loves sketch comedy. You are seeking to learn how to use your unique POC experience to write sketches and, perhaps along the way, create comedy gold. By the end of the workshop, you will, one, learn why page one is the most important part of your sketch, uh, Understand the basics of writing a three to four page sketch. Learn the importance of writing down your ideas ASAP. Build agreement with your audience about your sketch. Walk away with an outline of a sketch. Share in a Q&A among other workshop writers. What to bring with you? You do you, digital or analog, to write yourself Please, oh, yourself. Please arrive on time so we can dig in and get the most out of the workshop. Digital. Please bring a laptop computer or tablet with writing software with which you are comfortable. And then if you're doing analog, please bring a legal pad or whatever paper product or pen, pen or pencil on which you like to write. About our teaching artist, Fernando Fuenes is the head writer, director, and co-executive producer of the Latinx comedy Pachanga, a Los Angeles-based sketch variety show with the purpose of putting up Latinx comedians front and center. Okay, and I've read the bio, and I'll go here. Uh, Fernando's Poem a Day project finds him writing a poem for every single day of the year. It's a great way to make sense of the chaos of life you can follow fernando on twitter and instagram at fernando a fuenas and that's f that's at f-e-r-n-a-n-d-o-a-f-u-n-e-s and so yes that's on twitter and instagram and i'm going to see if i'm going to talk while i try something so bear with me and it's uh one of those shows i'm going to see if if we look on Twitter, if we can see if there's a link for the Eventbrite invite. This will take me just a moment. Again, thanks so much for tuning in to the weekly review midweek and also end of the week on Friday when this will be uh, playing. Okay. And... Looking here, don't currently see a link on Twitter. However, I believe, hopefully on Instagram, you can also check it out there. And then also there's a WordPress. There's a link to the WordPress site. So I'm going to see if there's a link there. Thanks for bearing with me. And thanks for tuning in. And best case, worst case, whatever case, check out Eventbrite. Uh, dot com, and then if you type in the name of the workshop, um, hopefully you can find it there as well. And I'm going to cut and paste it again 
So yes, if you go to eventbrite.com and check out how to write from your POC POV. And again, it's hosted by Colorized Improv. It's happening Saturday, October 26, 2019, 1.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Counterpulse, which is at 80 Turk Street in San Francisco. Our refund policy refunds up to one day before the event. And yeah, so please do check out this event. Okay, back to some more items. Bolivia elected a an indigenous socialist um, to office, and there have been a lot of right-wing attacks, which seems to happen no matter what, which is deeply upsetting. So, yeah, that's awful. Um, ugh. And also in Chile, there have been a lot of uh, folks protesting. Um, the cost of living has been just ridiculously too high, and so folks have really taken to the streets. There's also been millions of people protesting in Lebanon. There's been people protesting in Haiti. People have been protesting everywhere. So wanting to announce that. <sighs> and I recognize uh, we're doing a really uh, brief synopsis of the news, so please do. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, that's I mostly end up retweeting things and sharing news items from folks who are in these places I'm talking about. So if you want to follow me, you can do so at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. Also, if you happen to be listening today on Tuesday and you're in Oakland and or can get to the East Bay, uh, dear APTP supporters, Oakland police are out of control. They just violently arrested a leader of our community. Join us tonight at the Oakland City Council Public Safety Committee to demand real police oversight and accountability to prevent OPD crimes. This is the Oakland City Council Public Safety Meeting happening Tuesday, October 22nd at 6 p.m. at Oakland City Hall, Sergeant Mark Dunnikin room, first floor, one Frank H. Ogawa Plaza in Oakland. The committee will read the community's proposal to radically reform the Oakland Police Commission, Measure LL, for the first time, let's show up in force. We'll also be supporting Wilson Riles, who was assaulted by OPD last week. Wilson Riles, a former city council member, mayoral candidate, and longtime civic leader in Oakland, was at a city office when he was thrown to the ground and violently arrested by OPD. Tonight, he asks his Oakland community to show up as he protests his treatment and OPD's treatment of black Oakland residents. Folks can also contribute to his PayPal account, which is at W-R-I-L-E-S at PacBell.net. Again, contribute to his PayPal at the email address is W-R-I-L-E-S. L-E-S at PacBell, and that's P-A-C-B-E-L-L dot net. And they also have an article for more info on OPD's violent assault of Mr. Riles. We read this article. APTP is a great organization. If you'd like to get more involved, you can find them online. And the article they've linked to is um, from SF Gate, and it came out on October 20th by the Bay City News Service. Ex-Oakland council member says he was forcibly arrested while complaining to planning department. <sighs> I'll read a little bit of this article. A former Oakland City Council member says he was forcibly arrested in the city's planning and zoning department on Thursday after an argument with staff stemming from a long dispute over having a sweat lodge on his property for his Native American spiritual practices. Wilson Riles Jr., 73, served on the Oakland City Council from 1979 to 1992. 
He said that he was leaving the city office on Thursday morning. Um, that as he was leaving the office, city office on Thursday morning, he was confronted by police officers who threw him to the ground and handcuffed him without giving him any indication that they intended to intended to arrest him. An Oakland police spokesperson said the department would not provide any additional details about Ryle's arrest until Monday. Police logs indicated he was arrested. Oh, fucking police! I'm not even gonna read there report on the pol- police logs <sighs> for more info you can check out the article again at sf gate and it came out on october 20th Whew. all right so we're coming to the end of the program again thanks folks for tuning in and i believe there was one more story i wanted to get to and that might not happen just now yep up oh. We got another one. Um, Okay, so again, if you're listening, um, whenever you're listening, um, this is this is about the a lot of folks who are unhoused have been had their items stolen um, by police and Department of Public Works, both here in San Francisco and in Oakland, as well as other places here in the United States. And folks are coming together to protest. So this is a protest that's coming up this week. Uh, Caltrans is coming on Thursday, October 24th, and October 25th. Upstairs, downstairs will be hit on Thursday. Gilman and Ashby shell mound on Friday. And again, these are uh, encampments. And the person has, says who wrote this says uh, that they've spoken to the majority of the residents, and they have approved an occupation of the two encampments, meaning residents are inviting homeless throughout Berkeley to move to the Seabreeze slash excuse me, I-80 underpass to stand collectively together. Currently, homeless in downtown Berkeley are being harassed, and many are being cited with violation of the sidewalk ordinance. And a little bit more information. And just instructing for folks to share. Uh, Are you homeless in Berkeley? Are you housed and want to stand in solidarity with us? And we are asking all homeless who are tired of being kicked around, harassed, vilified, hated, and alone to join the encampments at the Seabreeze and under the I-80 in- over- underpass. We have room for your tent. Caltrans is coming this Thursday, October 24th. Come and pitch your tent so we can collectively tell the Bay Area that we are human and that we exist. Alone you can be harassed, but we can stand together as human beings to demand an answer to where do we go. So many citations are being issued in downtown Berkeley each week. There are evictions all through Oakland this week. We are welcome to... All are welcome to join us. This is a nonviolent action. No, you are worthy and you are not invisible. A movement has started. Join us. And it's under the hashtag, where do we go, Burke? And that's in Berkeley, as in Berkeley, B-E-R-K. And again, I also just want to rephrase instead of saying stand up to, to show up is another way of using that. So, yes, there's lots of ways that folks can show up. And, yeah, all right. So... That being said, I'll end on a, we'll do another Tribate song and have a great week, weekend, everyone. Uh, thanks for showing up in any way you can. And we'll be back with another show uh, the following Friday. Yeah. There's a song called Sensitive. I'm a pretty sensitive person, and perhaps you are too.
Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea? And dogs on August 18th to benefit Michigan.